I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Who Am I This Time? with me, David Morrissey. Each episode, I'm talking to performers from film, television and theatre about one significant role in their career. It might not always be the role they're most famous for, but in each one, I'll be trying to find out about the preparation, the excitement and the sense of nostalgia that goes with any key role in an actor's lifetime. James Nesbitt has been a constant presence on our screen for 30 years. After early roles in films like Hear My Song and Waking Ned, it was his award-winning role in the Granada series Cold Feet that catapulted him to a whole new level of success. He subsequently played leading roles in TV dramas, but the performance that changed his career was as Ivan Cooper in the Paul Greengrass film Bloody Sunday about the 1972 shootings in Derry, Northern Ireland. I caught up with him towards the end of Lockdown 3 earlier this year to talk about his memories of that time. Uh, well, today my guest is James Nesbitt, and the role we're going to be talking about is Ivan Cooper in the drama Bloody Sunday, directed by Paul Greengrass, and it came out in 2002. So, uh, James, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, I have had a very productive day so far. I came down from Blackpool yesterday, where I'm filming, to London. I ran this morning, I walked the dog with my daughter, Great. I did food bank deliveries where she works for a food bank. Brilliant. And I am here trying to cast my mind back 20 years ago. <laughs> and how's, um, how's the last year been for you, just COVID-wise? Interesting. I mean, I, I was filming um, Bloodlands, a show that's yeah. on at the minute, and uh, we were quite lucky. I was filming in Belfast, and we wrapped on the 13th of March. I was supposed to then come home, see my uh, daughters, but I actually had to go and represent my dad at a funeral. And... and that was the following week, and then lockdown happened. So I was pretty cushioned, actually. Even though I was away from London, I, I've got a place in Port Rush up by the sea. And, and actually, when I look back on lockdown, it'll be really a mixed kind of blessing for me because I got to spend a lot of time with my father, my dad, who was my primary school headmaster when I was a kid. And we had five months of me sitting in the yard and him sitting in the living room just rekindling a friendship. Uh, he was 91, and then he I lost him in August. But, I mean, it was which was sad, but... Very bittersweet because we really um, we had an opportunity to talk for a very long time Absolutely. and uh, and get to a stage where actually I think you know before Dad went you know I was able to look at him and he knew I was saying thanks and and he was I felt looking at me going you've done all right you know That's so it was a real, um, real blessing I mean you a know, real blessing yeah 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 so many stories um, about lockdown where you know people have had 
terrible times, but to be able to use it and have that special time. I have that with my son, actually. I've been very grateful yeah. being having this concentrated time Good. with both of my sons, but my son that lives with me, it's been very... very no, it was fun. amazing. And also cause, because my daughters are kind of growing up now. Mary's 19, Peggy's 23. Um, they were they were working throughout lockdown. They worked for a thing called Freddy's Flowers, but Mary was also... Mary, who I just felt so sorry for in a way, she's a very applied girl. She wasn't able to do her A-levels. Like all that all that lot that didn't have a summer of festivals and snogging and partying. And, you know, and then she was supposed to go to Honduras for her year out rather than kind of just travel. She was going to Honduras to teach English as part of a charity called Project Trust. And that was taken away from her. Now, she has been pretty cushioned, but, but it really has made me kind of concentrate a lot on just that generation here. I think I've been a wee bit overlooked to tell you the truth in terms totally. of the ramifications that they're going to have, like her mm-hmm. friends that went to university who've been kind of imprisoned in their dorms, you know, not yeah, having yeah. freshers week, you know, so um, but Mary's been working uh, also for a food bank, so that's really where I and she and and her mom and, and her sister who've also been doing a lot of these deliveries have seen just just how awful something like that makes the vulnerable much more vulnerable. And uh, and I just hope that when, as, as, as forward as we all are looking to when it goes, I just hope everything doesn't dissipate and we forget that actually a sense of community and collaboration and support really got a lot of people through this. And um, yeah, definitely, so I hope yeah. it's concentrated our minds a bit on that. Me too. I mean, let's hope. Fingers, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, listen, this I watched this again. I mean, I've watched it about three or four times, Bloody Sunday. And it's an astonishing piece of work, mm. and, and you are astonishing in it, in Thank my you. opinion. But when did it? When did you first hear about it? Is there's a story that Paul approached you at a, yeah. a, an awards ceremony? Is that right? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, I used to play football with Paul. I, I don't think you did at that time. We always used to play football, and I played with a bunch of actors: Jerome Flynn, Dougie Hodge, uh, Ian Glenn, people like that. You know, it wasn't very um, physical. You know, it was like watch my face. Um, <laughs> There was a lot of shouting went on, a lot of very uh, angry um, <laughs> footballers. Uh, and also kind of a lot of tackles would be going very heavy in on people like Jerome and, and, and Dougie, who were working a lot at the time. Um, but Paul came and played at that a few times. And, and, and so we got to, to, to kind of have a bit of a relationship. He was a big Palace fan and I was living in South East London. And then at, awards, at some awards, he came up and said, uh, look, I want to talk to you about something. And um, I was filming Cold Feet, uh, Series 3. So this would have been 2000, maybe. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul and Mark Redhead, uh, his producer, who I'm actually, I've uh, been working with recently on, on Bloodlands, they came to uh, to Manchester, to my apartment, and they said they wanted to make a film about Bloody Sunday. And right from the off, I said, well, look, Paul, you need to understand, I'm from a Protestant background. I was quite distant distanced physically from the troubles, even though they were just up the road. The most extraordinary thing about the conflict was that you could be here. I'm in Peckham, whereas in, uh, uh, you know, f- you know, 10 minutes up the road, there would be, um, uh, it would be one of the kind of real sort of um, hot spots of, of the area. Like Derry was just up the road. So I grew up in Coleraine. Derry was about 28 miles away. Uh, I said also, I kind of like was maybe taught a different history in a way from school. I mean, that's the, 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 the the truth of the matter is, and, and I and I garnered quite a lot of kind of um, uh, not hatred, but certainly a lot of debate at the time when I had mentioned this at premiers and stuff. I said there were two histories taught. You know, the Protestants were taught a different history from the Catholics. I'd also distanced myself a bit from it because 
growing up, I felt I had an idyllic childhood, you know, and, and, and the notion that Northern Ireland was seen as a place of conflict where Protestants, my kind of religion, were these dour, intransigent, immovable uh, people, uh, um, and uh, Catholics and my sort of like, you know, naive opinion where, you know, had this romantic notion of a copy of Yeats in one hand and a rifle slung over the uh, uh, other shoulder. So I, I kind of really almost ignored it in a sense. Um, when I first came to drama school, I mean, and, and you were at RAD at the same time I was at Central, um, I, I was the, it was the first real window I had into the fact that English, a lot of people saw us all, me as, as, as a paddy. Um, and so I began to kind of think, oh, I really should have a look at where I come from because I love where I come from. But it was when Paul sat down with me and Mark, and, and it's something, I mean, I can't remember what I did yesterday most of the time, but, but I remember very clearly Paul and Mark sitting with me and, and reading a very rough draft of a script, having told me that they wanted to centre around Ivan Cooper. Ivan Cooper, who I played in the film. Ivan Cooper, who was himself a Protestant, who was leading a mainly night. He was the, uh, the Catholic MP in Westminster representing um, uh, the Catholics in Derry. His vote was 99% Catholic, but he was from a sort of a middle-class Protestant background, yet he had grown up with a real love of um, the civil rights movement. Um, he was hugely influenced by, in, in America, he was hugely influenced by... Um, uh, Martin Luther Dr. King and Paul decided to put him at the centre he could have put Bernadette Evan at the centre or Eamon McCann but he felt he wanted someone he kind of wanted to include every symbol of the troubles in, in that piece as I'm sure we'll come to but um, he, I, I suppose he approached me because he felt that I had a similar background to Ivan and um, I read the script and I, I remember so clearly you know, I may have said this to you before a long time ago, but I remember reading it in front of them, with them. And Paul has a beautiful way about him, but but kind of quietly forceful, I have to say. <laughs> quietly <laughs> persuasive, as again we'll come to in some of the talk about the, uh, how he directed me. But I remember reading it and thinking to myself, oh, God, <laughs> I'm going to have to do this, you know. And, and that, but from that moment on, he also brought me a load of, because the, 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 the second inquiry, the Savile, hadn't started sitting yet, uh, uh, which was a response to the whitewash of the, of the original um, uh, inquiry in which it said no one was responsible, blah, blah, blah. All the information about all the evidence was there, and he, and he left me with that. And a book that Don Mullen had helped write about... Uh, Don, who's in, in the... Don Mullen, yes, sorry, I should explain. Don Mullen, who was a teenager on the day of Bloody Sunday, one of the young kids throwing rocks, and Don had chosen a different path. In many ways, like Paul had a political guy, but Don had chosen a path into kind of human rights and stuff. And and had come back to Derry and someone had said to him, oh, have you seen all the evidence that's just been on, on all these letters that people had written as, as bits of evidence? Anyway... So Paul, kind of went away and left, and I phoned my agent, Sue, at the time, and I said, if this thing happens, we're going to have to do it, you know. And I knew right from the moment, I, I knew, I mean, I get quite emotional talking about something, but I knew right at that moment that it was going to be, change my life in some way. I don't mean that it was going to garner me great attention and praise and great reviews and all that. I just remember that it was going to have an impact on how I viewed acting, how I viewed where I come from. When you had that feeling of thinking, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to do this. 
Yeah. Could you just encapsulate what that was? Did, was there a thing that would you have yeah. loved to have run away? There's certain jobs that you want to run away from and you can't, can you? No, was it was it? exactly that. Yeah. I think it was, as Paul eventually said to me, because, you know, at that stage, I suppose I was, um, you know, okay, Northern Ireland's a small place. And, 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 you know, and I'm sure there'll be a few things I say in this in which I sound kind of arrogant. I, I mean, quite the opposite, actually. But I was sort of, in a way, Northern Ireland's with cold feet and stuff particularly, and I'd done Waking Ned and Hear My Song, and I'd done kind of guests and things. And, and particularly with Cold Feet, I was sort of a golden boy in Northern Ireland because I had, I'd, I'd come and I'd done this show in which I was, my accent, I was inside, insisted on doing the Northern Irish accent. And people at home loved that all of a sudden they had a kind of a leading man or a funny, I'm glad he was viewed as this character in a, in a big show that wasn't carrying any of the baggage, you know. And I was living, I was enjoying that I think maybe beginning to enjoy it a bit too much and in my life I've always known like my mother always used to say to me James the sun rises and so must you and and she was talking I think about balance from a very early age and, and I think I understood that I couldn't just live this kind of like roguish easy life playing this popular role and then playing other roles like that unless I balanced it somehow and as, and as Paul eventually said to me Paul recognised something in me before I recognised it in me, I think, which was that I think for, particularly I think Paul would have said for, the, for my DNA in some way, for, for a lot of Northern Irish actors, you felt that you had to tackle the troubles at some point. You know, I mean, Paul often said it was like our leer, you know, mm-hmm. um, that at some point you have to take it on. Now, some don't, but I felt certainly, I had to start a journey about really thinking, does my job have any worth it's not it's not going down a mine it's not uh it's not going into surgery I mean, you know, it's not any of that but 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 the job that i have taken on what worth can it have mm-hmm. i think i'd been chasing that in my head for a wee bit mm-hmm. not to say that entertaining isn't like you know it doesn't have its uh, place so i also knew i was going to i also worried immediately about uh what it might do to my family and mm-hmm. and and Thank God, like Dad, uh, I told him I was going to do it. Um, when we realised it was then happening, and 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 um, and Sue, my brilliant agent Sue. I mean, I just don't think people talk enough about their their agents. I mean, like after the fact, the girls in my life, you know, my family. Sue's the next thing. You know, she's been walking beside me every step of my way for you know twenty years. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Dad said, I, you know, I, I said, Dad, I think I'm going to take this on. It might, it might, it might bring a bit of trouble for you guys. You know, a bit of attention. And dad went to, and he, now he was a schoolmaster. He knew a lot went on, but he was from a Protestant background. And he went to Eason's uh, uh, bookshop in Coleraine. My mother told me he spent an entire day reading, and, and then the library. And he read every bit of information he could about the real, you know, about Bloody Sunday. And he phoned me uh, a couple of days later and said, well, James, you've got to do this. You know, mm-hmm. you've got to do this. So, so I felt from an early state supported, but, but it was also... It, it, it felt that you were just kind of like turning the keys on a juggernaut, you know. But did you need? Did you need? Uh, because you know, it is a, it is a difficult job to take on, and you know, you say you consider your family. Did you need your family to give you the thumbs up in order to do the job, or or not? I mean, if I mean that's a good question. No, but I, I wanted their blessing. Yes, that's, well, that's fine. Yeah, and I wanted to be truthful with them, you know. So much of my life was about secrets and lies from my family. You know, I mean, that was another kind of thing. You know, in a way, I, I broke away kind of 
because you know I was the youngest of uh, four. I had three older sisters. I was my um, mother's adored kind of like only boy. Dad taught me his only son. But I think like early on, for a lot of my generation, particularly in Northern Ireland, you began to keep things from your parents quite early on. And 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 it was also I think even at this advanced age that I was there, I kind of knew that it might actually start to improve a notion of communication with my parents and with family and of everyone. Um, and so it, it, and so it began. And so I had no idea really what was coming, but, but Paul kept saying to me, you've got to read all the information because I'm going to be shooting stuff very documentary style. You have to be able to understand things that are being thrown at. You have to be able to kind of talk in a vernacular, understand the political language, understand exactly everything that was going on. Because these, uh, you know, Ivan Cooper at the time and, and the civil rights movement, they were, they were living um, day to day, trying to get things moving and trying to get things changing. Because, you know, Northern Ireland was in a fascist place. The 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 the, 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 the war wasn't as bad as it was. It had been a bit bad, but they'd started to get concessions. But the last big thing was internment. But anyway, so I had to read everything about it. But also, it was important. Paul realised that I needed to be accepted sort of by the people of Derry. Yes, that was um, the other thing I was going to ask you about. So you, you you get the job and then you're doing research, which is obviously you're reading historical documents, yeah. presumably yeah. from all sides, you're doing Absolutely. all that work. And then you do you sit down with Ivan? Well, two things happened. And it happened, um, I don't actually think the truth of the matter is, I think I phoned Ivan mm -hmm. and said, I didn't tell Paul and I didn't tell Mark, actually. I'm pretty sure about this. And uh, I phoned Ivan and said, I want to meet you and I want to do the walk with you. The walk, the, the, actually, mm -hmm. the, 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 the walk that day, which ended in, in, in tragedy. And... Um, and Ivan on the phone, Ivan's very charismatic. I mean, we lost him uh, over a, a year ago, actually. Um, but, you know, Ivan hadn't done the work. Ivan lived in Derry and still represented, then left politics. I mean, he was in many ways. Ivan died with a lot of the other people that day, a bit of him, you know, because he felt responsible for having taken them out. Um, and I said, I want to do the walk with you. And he said, no, I don't think I can do that. So anyway, I flew over and we met um, on the other side of the water, the Edgewater Hotel in Derry. And I sat down and I said, so, tell me the story of the day. And uh, he talked for three, four hours and suddenly it came back to him. He remembered every single bit of it. And it was incredible. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you've played, you have played car real characters. Have you met? You've Gordon met? Brown and stuff Of like course, that, Gordon yeah. Brown, of course. Did right. you get to sit with him? But this is, you know, there's a lot of guff talk. Yeah, about yeah, because I, I, I was so, I've done it a couple of times. I did it with a guy called Joe Griffin in a film, Five Minutes mm. of Heaven. Um, yeah. But anyway. Uh, Which is a bit I of a companion just, piece to this, in a way. Yes, yeah. and, and it is in a sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's kind of a next stage. It's sort of more of a reconciliation in a way. And Again, or, or it touches one. on that. If anyone hasn't seen that, I urge them to. It's a wonderful piece of work. Oh, thank you. But um, so Ivan talked through it, and, and I would interrupt him a lot, but, but he didn't have to because he was such a fluent talker, uh, you know, a wonderfully educated man, not self-educated. I mean, he was just a very you know, academic. Um, but also, unbeknownst to him, he was giving me such incredible little kind of windows into this man, this character. Um 
uh, the, the, because he was able to take himself back almost before that day happened. And you could see the, 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 the progress they were making, the, the fact that people were listening, that they would, he would talk about, you know, the, the nights that they would go into people's kitchens and just discuss politics. And I mean, it was just a life just wrapped around politics. So after the talk, I said, right, I, I need you to do the walk with me. And he said, oh, Jimmy, I just can't. I can't. I haven't done it in 30 years. Not even though he was walking around that area. Yeah. I said, Ivan, you know, you're entrusting me to play you here in this and tell this story and, and try and try and actually, as, as, as Paul eventually said, try and, and, and achieve something that might be even a pebble in the wall of peace at that time. So we did the walk and uh, we started in the Craigan. And it was interesting because I think by that stage, maybe it had been announced that I was doing it. I, I can't recall. But as we were walking, I could just see the the album of his memory opening up to him. And I could see him seeing all the different snapshots. And, and it was interesting, the progression of the walk with him. He, was ta- he talked about the, um, the sort of like excitement, the buzz, the, the kind of feeling that this was really going to be um, uh, uh, the, the, the crucial day in which internment was dealt with. Um, and there was, a, there was a feeling that peace was going to be a, 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 a real kind of um, It was the power of the people, wasn't it? It was, it was exactly. going to be yeah, the power yeah. of the people. Exactly. And so, but then as the war continued, and, uh, and also he talked about, again, I may be preempting some of the stuff you're going to talk about, but he talked about on that day that this, the film playing in Derry was Sunday, Bloody Sunday. And, but as the war progressed and we began to walk down and, and, and after Agro Corner, and after them down William Street, when the, the, the boys had started throwing the rocks and then the water cannons had come out. And then you could just see him kind of turn. He, he almost aged in front of me, you know, and he kind of, like, you could see the colour draining from his face mm-hmm. as, as I, and I felt, Jesus, and I said to him a couple of times, are you okay? Because I knew I was putting him in this situation. And then, you, and then he started to talk about the, uh, the, the the water cannon and the rubber bullets and then the the, the sound of the of the those are real bullets aren't they, um, and uh, and we finished it and he was we were kind of both well not we were kind of he was not not broken I mean I think it was unquestionably sort of a an exorcism for him you know mm-hmm. uh, I think it was important for him but it was like I. Uh, we, there was a week, there was kind of a wee, um, memorial sort of thing, mm-hmm. and um, we were standing at it, and he kind of, um, he just sort of, he put his arm sort of out, and he kind of steadied himself on me. You know? oh, yeah. I said, "Listen, that was an incredible thing." So, can I just ask though, just a little bit, when you're observing him on that walk as an actor, what are you observing? Are you are you observing? Is it as simple? as getting a, a feeling of the emotional yeah. timeline. Well, exactly right. That's exactly what he gave me that day. And, and that's what I was trying to allude to, the fact that when we started the walk, as, as reluctant as he was, you could see him remember the excitement, the mm-hmm. crackling buzz of excitement, fear, nerves, because he'll have had meetings that morning. He'll have been talking to the police. I know he talked to the, uh, the, um, uh, the provisional IRA either the day before. Um, or maybe that morning, just trying to kind of like make sure everything would go smoothly. Mm-hmm. But you could see him sort of hearing the crowd. You could see him hearing them singing, you know, we shall overcome, we shall mm-hmm. overcome one day. You know, and talking about that, talking about recognising people, the excitement of, oh, I, I, you know. And then 
so I was observing that. I mean, and because we shot it like that, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, within two two different locations. Um, and where I suppose it was really helpful was for um, towards the end of the film, uh, when I saw him kind of like complete the march and saw how, um, you know, I, I, I just, it, 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 it angers me so much that I even felt such a sense of culpability mm. when actually he was the good guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I could just see that. And, and and also it was, I mean, I think it really helped me. And, and But I, I continue to talk to him throughout the process. But just the sense of um, of silence that he had and mm-hmm. the, the, the memory of an object, an unnecessary loss. But okay. also, also responsibility. I think something that comes across in your performance, which is brilliant, is, you know, you are a man stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you are someone who is forging on because you believe in the message, you believe in the solidarity, you believe in the, you know, as he says, he believes in that sort of, this is a, this is our version of the civil rights movement. No, this absolutely. Is, this, is yeah, yeah, this, is, this is this is our, um, our admits for massacre. This is That's our, uh, you know, um, and, and you know, and, and in fact, I'm sure we'll come to that, but those were his words. Mm. But also, you know, Eamon McCann, I think it was, he memorably said that, that Bloody Sunday was like, it was like the irresistible force meeting the immovable object. And that was what, what, what Ivan was trying to break, I think, you know, mm. Mm. because I think he saw long term, it was make or break. It was, it, this was, you know, it was the last, it was sort of the last roll of the dice for the civil mm. rights movement. I think it was Mark Red who said that. Mm. Um, so, that that day gave me an enormous amount, just in terms of seeing, just that timeline as you talk about. But but what was also amazing about that day was, and this was the bit that maybe I didn't tell Mark and Paul. I can't remember, but I had done so much research, and after I, I, I bid farewell to to Ivan, and I stayed in the city hotel, um, uh, and it's now been kind of resurrected. But this is where it was like it was like Derry's Europa Hotel, where all the the, the meetings happened. I went in and I phoned John Hubbard, who was the casting director. I phoned John and said, God, I've just had an amazing day there with Ivan. And he said, what are you doing now? And I said, well, I'm just going to... Because, you know, because also people had observed us on the walk. You know, people are driving back going, Ivan, you know... And then, oh, Jimmy and Ed, and they were like, people would be saying, oh, you haven't got your arse out today because of, like, the, the, the scene in cold feet and stuff and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but, um, but, but you could sense... I, I sensed very early on that the people of Derry were nervous about this not nervous about me necessarily being in it but, but maybe a wee bit of that but just if someone's going to tell our story you better get this story right because we have been living with it for a very long time and the, the inquiries coming up and we were we were dismissed and we were told that we were liars you know um there was a nervousness unquestionably about um uh, what kind of film was going to be made and in fact something which i'll come to later about martin mcginnis said but um so I went into the hotel and I went up and I ordered a pint of Guinness. Uh, and Guinness is not a drink I, I've ever really drunk in my life, but I just thought there was just something I felt symbolic about it. I don't know mm-hmm. what it was. And I ordered the pint of Guinness and I sat down by myself and in the, in, in the old hotel, or maybe it was the Strand Bar, I went into the Strand Bar and behind me was a kind of a porthole in, in the wall. And I just, I took a, a sip and I put it down and I felt this kind of, Talk on my shoulder, and I looked around, and through the porthole was a guy saying, "Who am I?" And I looked and I went, 
your bubbles, Donaghy, where the first guy shot on Bloody Sunday, you were 15 and you were shot in the thigh. And he kind of reached, he went through the porthole and he said, right, you'll do for us. And it was just an extraordinary, I mean, I know it sounds made up that and kind of a part no, of that. It sounds amazing. very self-aggrandizing. It's no. not meant to. It, it was just a kind of a, an affirmation that actually, that even at that very early stage, that someone who was the first person shot mm-hmm. was prepared to go, I know your background. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, you're playing Ivan and all that. But if you know me, then maybe that's a start. And were you, know? you able to talk to him more? Yeah, 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 absolutely. And then Mickey Bradley. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember I met Mickey Bradley, who was also shot and injured that day. Mickey, who has been, he's played a prominent role in kind of was getting Savile to kind of like deliver and and still in the in the prosecutions uh, at the minute. Um, and these people, they wanted to talk to me. I mean, they were they were nervous, as they said there, uh, and a wee bit sceptical. But um, but they were prepared to give me any information I had. And all of that, as you know, in terms of the acting point of view, that's just magnificent to be able to kind of just absorb all of that. You know, but that's essential, I think. The, the other thing is about I hear from that is you can read your books, you can watch your videos on YouTube or whatever, but you've got to walk it and you've got to be in it and you've got to go and you've got to become vulnerable yourself in those circumstances, whether it's a real story or not. And this is one of the, you know, real story that needed to be told, but you've got to, I think, and everybody works differently, but you've, there's something about being in the physical place. Oh my God. I that, mean, it was. And, and, and things start to come to you like some yeah, sort yeah. of magnet, you know, like yeah, that yeah. guy or whatever it is. Or, uh, absolutely. Mm. It's, it's be, you become a kind of a. I mean, it really. I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, I think I said to you before we started, I, I, I told you the idea of watching the film again, but I just thought that would make. I think it was better for me to kind of relive it like this mm-hmm. going back to it. But I, I, I remember, I mean, I mean, it was, I was just, I was so in it, it I mean, amongst the people, mm-hmm. you know, that first week in Derry, I, people were talking about, and, and the night before we did the, our first day's filming, the march, we sat, uh, myself, um, uh, 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 Kathy Keir Clark, who played my yeah, wife, yeah. a lot of the other actors, we sat in this ho- hotel room with Ivan just talking for hours mm-hmm. and Paul, me, Mark, and everyone just listening to him. And I even and I even sent just little things like he would just say to me. He said, he said, have you ever smoked cigars? And I went, no. He said, I said, I'm not a smoker. He said, but but a few times that day I would have a wee cigar, uh, or I'd kick a stone in the street when I was angry, or I would do and and, and just mm. I was surrounded by that all the time because people wanted to tell me their stories and it made the job more um, I want to say enjoyable or easy, but just. I began to kind of think, oh, my God, maybe this is what acting is actually about. It's it's that immersive experience. And I think particularly with a director like Paul, you never know when you're not, when you're on or when you're off. He's not going to tell you those things. He's not going to, you don't do conventional setups of this is your close up and then we'll go on to this person's mid shot and stuff. It doesn't work like that. And also what he gets from, you know, in Bloody Sunday particularly, he gets this, feeling of you know the supporting artists the the people themselves yeah. are such a part of it absolutely and they are looking to you so if, if, if one second you suddenly go oh sorry i've got to go and sort of go to makeup or whatever i've got to do you you're breaking the spell the spell no, is absolutely the, 20, the, the, the whole time you're on well, that. paul's whole thing was i mean i i because the, the, the first scene we shot okay well so so we did the, we did the, actually the march first of all 
because we only had a few days in Derry because the only place they could find uh, that actually sort of really resembled Derry in 1972 was Ballymun in Dublin, which I'll come to. But we all, we had to start, the our first day's film was at the Craig in, in Derry to start doing the actual march. It was kicking off at two o'clock and there'd been announcements everywhere about, you know, would you please come and support this film, be extras in it. Now, we knew further down the line that, that Paul was going to use um, a lot of the real family members of the victims, real soldiers who had, you know, every symbol of the peace process and the conflict was involved in that film, again, which I'm sure we'll come to. But we turned up at, well, I was there from about one o'clock. No one there. And it was like the Craig and there's never no one there. No one. Quarter to two, no one there. And we're looking at each other going, I'm, I'm sort of like secretly looking at Ivan and, and Paul and Martin kind of blaming them, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're not turning out for me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's insane. It must be your fault. And at about five to two, all of a sudden, the throng arrives. I mean, terribly, you know, an, uh, a really incredibly moving moment that, that was the, the, the nascent of the actual filming about which I was so, so tense and nervous and, and that sense of responsibility, you know, because I'd always kind of been able to apply or kind of get through things in my life. And, and I felt this, and all of a sudden they just started appearing. And it was uh, extraordinary. And the march took off. And I mean, there was hundreds of them. I mean, it's oh, thousands, yeah, there were thousands. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. You look up, there's a shot of you on the back of the uh, truck. Yeah, the little truck, yeah. And it's like quite close on you and Adrian. It's quite sort of, you know, contained. And you think, okay, and then it moves away. Yeah. And you start, and you think, oh, this, that's a lot of people. And then it moves up the hill. And you think, oh, my God, no. and then they move further. No, up. it was amazing. Teeming with people coming amazing. at you. And it was, and, and, and also, because also in, what was amazing is that you could see on the faces, it's a very politically, politicised place there, of course. Mm-hmm. But the young ones, I mean, and also the amount of relatives I met, and I never met, and I remember there's 13 shot. Think of the amount of relations of, of that, that, that they spawned, you know? Yeah. And um, so you could just see on everyone's faces there, it was such an odd thing. It was like it was like people didn't know if they were at a, a, a marriage or a funeral. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, that kind of thing where they didn't know if they were there to celebrate uh, or actually kind of mourn. But mm-hmm. but it was like a sense of both of them. But they felt that they were doing something important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, so there we were. And it's, important, and it's important to say there, because I've worked with Paul as well, and, you know, he's, that the the work that he and Brian and the team, you know, that they the the work wow. that they do in the community, unbelievable, and, and the bridges that they they build in order to do what they do is is unbelievable and no extraordinary and and also not easy, you know, and and they maintain that relationship right through the process and beyond. Absolutely, you know, Paul Paul's incredible with that, and and Paul and and, and Mark, uh, Mark redhead. Right they, they paved the way for someone like me to come in because they'll have talked for a long time to, because we were in constant chat with um, uh, John Doherty and, and, and several other of the, of the, the prominent family members who lost um, families who have been involved because the, the inquiry was coming up, Savile was coming up. Um, and, you know, it took a lot of persuading these people. These people saw people like me as the enemy, certainly people like Paul and Mark as the enemy. However, however, whatever Paul's kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, CV was uh, and his political, uh, you know, uh, ideologies were. Um, 
And so that was that was vital. And in fact, I'll tell you, this is the truthful story. I went out also early on, I think before we started shooting, or maybe we had just started shooting. And that immersive thing became more and more important to me. And 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 in a way, that was such a beautiful kind of flowering of my notion of acting because it was given to me that it was like, oh my God, that's the process. That's mm-hmm. what you're given the opportunity to do. That's the privilege. You know, I'd always seen me sort of me acting as sort of like doing other people a favour as opposed to, <laughs> or actually just kind of getting away with it or kind of thinking it was a good way to meet girls or whatever. But all of a sudden I was, I began to see that the work was the privilege, I think. Mm-hmm. But I went to a bar one night, uh, just on my own. And these young lads come up to me and spoke to me and uh, they started talking to me in uh, Gaelic, in Irish. And one of the ones that was, or maybe I was with someone from the film, Anyway, and one of them said, or one of their mates actually said to, the, to these young guys, he said, come on, don't be doing that. And I said, listen, boys, I can't speak Irish. You know where I'm from. But then they were getting just a wee bit more rowdy. Anyway, I left the bar. I was going back to my hotel. And I, I knew that they were behind me. That's uh, a true story. It's, it's true as I'm sitting here. And uh, I knew they were behind me. I didn't feel frightened. I mean, I just felt that they were kind of like letting me know that they were there. I mean, suddenly I was aware that they weren't. And the next day I went into work and I said to someone, one of our advisors, I said, God, I had a weird thing last night. And he, he just stopped me. He said, oh, Jimmy, we know. Don't worry. We made sure the boys didn't follow you anymore. And I thought, my God, things have changed if the, uh, if the Nationalists or the Republicans are protecting Jimmy Nesbitt. He was born in Machine. I mean, an yeah. amazing moment for me, you know. Yeah. But then it's testament to the whole thing that you're doing, that it's suddenly taken, you know, it is taken with a a real level of seriousness. Yeah. We'll be back with more chat after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, you're listening to Who Am I This Time? With me, David Morrissey. Now, back to this week's episode. Can I talk about the process itself? I mean, we talked about yeah. the march on the first day. But do you do, 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 you do something as simple as rehearse a scene, then shoot the scene? Or how, just structurally, with a so piece if I like take, this? If I take, for example, the news conference before the march, the first, which is right at the beginning, 
The day before, a couple of days before, Paul had said, um, now, now bear in mind, I had been reading for a, uh, and talking to Paul for, for a, a number of weeks beforehand. Certainly the most immersed I've ever been or the most kind of prepared in that way in terms of the historical notion of it. Um, but before the news conference, uh, we had done a very loose um, uh, sort of rehearsal the day before. But Paul had said, you'll come in. This is the feeling. The feeling will be that there'll be a lot of uh, press there. The feeling is that this is the day we're marching for, uh, you know, marching for civil rights, we're marching against internment, uh, and we're really going to shake them up now. We're going to say to this government, uh, um, uh, listen, these people are not going away. We've got to start being uh, kind of, um, we started, you know, the, 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 the internment has to go because they already, already made a lot of concessions, I think. Anyway, we said, but I'll be throwing, um, questions might be thrown at you. Uh, Ivan Strasberg, who was our, our DOP, I should talk about, and Albert, our sound guy. The most unlikely, odd, the odd, odd couple, you know, you never met. Ivan, an irascible South African. Albert uh, uh, from the West Indies. I don't want to say Jamaican in case I get it wrong. Um, but they were, Ivan uh, and another cameraman were just always roving the camera. So it always felt like you were kind of in a, it made it easier to feel like a politician for me because it felt that it was just, there was a news team there just following me. Mm-hmm. Albert was having to deal with 10 different radio mics at one time and balance all that but yeah so I had the notion that I was walking into uh, the city hotel and there would be a crowd of people there and questions would be thrown at me and I would I'd say to Paul because uh, well what like and you go well I don't know deal with it <laughs> I'd be like Whoa. <laughs> what uh, and he'd say well you know you've got an idea you understand what's going on that day you understand the importance of it you understand what the message is and I was like okay and so I remember uh, that the night before that trying to imagine the scenario. Like, you know, I'm sure you've done that as an actor, you kind of think, oh, I'll come up with some smart answers now. I did that for about an hour in my hotel room. And and thank God, I just suddenly thought, no, 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 that's not the way I do it. Just know what the situation is. Understand what the situation is and then deal with it. So don't try and, don't try and give answers. Don't try and create answers to questions I don't know yet. Mm -hmm. Just be prepared to know what Ivan's thinking. Be in the moment. Paul was everything about being in the moment. Mm-hmm. And and it sounds so obvious, I'm sure, to people that are watching this. But in fact, there was one scene we did uh, uh, when I went to Agro Corner, the first time that Paul and Mark brought me one night to watch Rushes. Mm-hmm. And, and they said, this is wrong. This is wrong. You're not in the moment. And I was going, what? what, what? You're not in the moment. That's Look at that take. That's your, your acting. You're acting. Mm-hmm. But on, the, on, the, on the, the process of this first day in the, in the, uh, the press conference, we walked in and and because I had been immersed in it and because the process, I mean, it's, it sort of just absolutely changed the way I think about uh, acting ever since then. If I'm t- taking on roles like this with Five Minutes of Heaven, with The Secret, with mm-hmm. Occupation that I did when I'm Murphy, that I, I felt free. I felt absolutely liberated and free and I felt that I was at home. I don't mean at home. I felt kind of at home sort of in my craft, but I felt at home in the situation mm-hmm. because when, and in fact, I, I mean, it's funny when I, the last time I saw the film a few years ago, there's a bit when I walk into that press conference and I say to the press, get your pencils sharpened, boys, or something mm-hmm. like that. 
and I don't, I hadn't planned that or things like that. I'm not, I'm just trying to talk about the process so that when any question was thrown at me, I felt that I was inhabiting, I felt that Ivan was my non-identical twin or something. I felt I understood what he was going to say. Yeah, you have a, I mean, what's wonderful about it is you have a surety even when when you're not sure, even when Ivan isn't sure. You know, you, we as an audience were watching it and we're totally, even though it's, chaos and it's destruction and it's awful we have a trust in the peace there's never a moment when you so talk me through that bit with agro corner when paul and marco are pointing out what what were they i I couldn't quite see it it too you know it was like it was the one it was the first time i got annoyed with paul and and marcus this happened when we moved down to dublin Mm -hmm. um I mean, I have to tell you as a quick caveat, when we went to Ballymun in Dublin, I mean, it was unbelievable the first day there because Ballymun was like the Wild West. Uh, 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 this is in 2001. And it was the only place that, that was like um, was like Derry. But just amazing. They were being, I mean, there was just kids roaming all around the place. And, going, Mr. and for some reason, they're all calling me Mr. Jimmy. And there's like, there's these kids who are going, Mr. Jimmy, Mr. Jimmy, can I have a photograph, Mr. Jimmy? And there was, there was these two sisters well, first of all, what happened, I was talking to Paul and Simon Mann, I think, uh-huh. um, who Good were coming to the yeah. Uh, yeah, Simon Mann, again, you know, has his own history. Uh-huh. And I was talking to them about something, and at one point I saw, I said, was that not one of our tanks going down the road? <laughs> and it was these two kids were joyriding a tank in Valley <laughs> Mall. But there was, there was all these kids going around, and these there was two sisters come up to me, I would say maybe seven and four, and the older one goes, Mr. Jimmy, can I have a photograph? Can I have a photograph? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So she gives the wee instamatic to her sister, who has no more than four. And I'm standing there beside the girl. And the wee one's trying to work with the camera. And she says to her sister, will you fucking hurry up? I'm growing a beard here. <laughs> I mean, it was unreal. So it was, that in itself was amazing. But, um, but we did this scene, which I think they find... I think Paul maybe found it a difficult scene because it maybe seems like the most scripted scene in a sense. Ivan, the civil rights man, the peacemaker, goes up to Agro Corner with provisional IRA, are sitting in a car, and Ivan says to them, I don't want any, ha- uh, any, any bother today or anything. You know. So I think there was already, I think I was so, I mean, I'm not defending myself here, but I think there was such... I was already kind of so with this kind of the flow of, of like of, of, of unscripted kind of notion of what we were trying to achieve of what I'd say to my wife, what I'd say to the people that were working with me in the party, um, what I'd say to the people protesting that, that maybe also I even wasn't entirely sure how to kind of approach them. But anyway, so I walked up and I'm supposed to say to them, I hope there's no bother here today. And, and, and uh, the guy, uh, God forgive me, I can't remember his name. I worked with him recently. Yeah. And he is, so we're, 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 beat, we're both playing, we're both giving our different kind of egos of, 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 yeah. of the part we're playing. And so I was in the hotel and uh, Lucy Paul's assistant came up and said, listen, they want you to go around, uh, Paul and Mark. And I was like, what's happened? <laughs> mommy, mommy, am I fired? Um <laughs> And I went up and, and I walked in and, and at that stage we were, we were, we'd, we'd done dairy and stuff. We hadn't come to the, a lot of the big stuff. And they said to me, so Paul said, so I'm going to have a conversation with you about being, what being in the moment is. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I think I know what it is. 
He says, yeah, he says, but this is a different film. It's a different process. And you've understood everything so far, blah, blah, blah. He says, but I'm going to ask you to watch Rushes. And I never in my life really wanted to do that because um, I don't think I'd be able to get up the next morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we watched this four or five texts many times. And, you know, the truth is, David, I, I understood it. Mm-hmm. I got it. And even now, isn't that funny? I think even now I'm reluctant to admit that that I maybe slipped or something in a way or, or stepped out of it in a way. That but there's day. something in this, isn't there? There's something where, you know, when I was a younger actor, if a director gave me a note, I heard it as a criticism. Yeah. I heard it as That's something... That's exactly... There was something I had to be defensive about. I had to... I still of, do that. No, And it's taken me a while. I still... My natural instinct is still to have yeah, yeah. that. But yeah. actually, that's not the process, is it? That's not what's happening. Usually no. what's happening is a director is looking at a scene and they see something you do and they go, oh, I like that bit. But then it's the next take isn't quite like that. And they don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. they're trying to get you to do the magic uh, but, that you've but, done but, before. But, and but what Paul knew was, Paul knew he was right. And I hated the notion of kind of like, I hated the notion. I mean, it's, you, you actually described it beautifully there. And, and I still have that. We have it about sport. I have it about everything. I have it with my children, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that that notion of being told, it, it almost felt, it's like a reversal of, or it's like, a, it's aligned to the, it's like when my, if, if, if anyone, if my mother or my sisters when I was younger used to say to me, stop showing off. <laughs> it used to destroy me. Um, and I think the idea that I'd let Paul or Mark down in a minute, rather than me being adult enough to, to, to go, I was still the kind of the, 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 I'd reveal myself as a boy a wee bit that night in that discussion going, don't tell me off, don't tell me off, am I not doing the right thing? And actually once I could see through it, but they kept on at me for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't saying this is me, I say that, this is not, it was nothing about that. It was about saying you're not in the moment there. Mm-hmm. And it was basically also about Paul saying, you have to be in the moment, every frame of this movie. You have to be responsible. And, and actually, at some point, we may come to, or we can go to it now, about the end of the film, when he really talked into my ear. The, the, the moment that really changed my life, actually, in a sense, um, as, as an actor, and also just about what my relationship now is with, with, with Ireland. Um, but the process... It took me a long time to shed it that night. I couldn't see it. I was blind to it. I, I sort of, I refused to see what he was saying and him and Mark because it was actually saying, you're stepping out here. You're, 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 you're pretending. Not to say that acting is not pretending. But he said, you're, not well, to it, say that it's not pretending. It, it, it's it's not it's, pretending, but I mean, the, the, the work, the, the majority of the work we do, there's time restrictions, there's all those things. And, you know, yeah. You, you're, you're creating in an, an atmosphere where sometimes people are very quick to move on and you as, yeah, the yeah. Act, you as the actor is usually the person holding the reins and saying, no, I'm not happy to move on yet or whatever. They want to get it in the can. They want to get it. So no, to suddenly turn that tanker around and have a director say to you, hey, look at this. Let's look at the minutiae. Let's look at this moment. That is, we weren't. It we was incredible. Mm. It was incredible to me that he was, and, and my ego or something got in the way. Mm-hmm. My, 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 it was, but my refusal to see it was about me, unquestionably about me. And it was because I felt, I felt defensive because actually, Bloody Sunday, that film, its success is about tr- trust. Mm-hmm. It is about trust. And Paul Greengrass managed to get 
every symbol of the peace process, every actor that he worked with, every family member, every every um, uh, serving politician to trust him. Like at the premier in Derry, there were three premiers in Derry. One with one for the families, one for kind of like the people of Derry, and then uh, uh, paying audience in the. By which stage I was just like, I had about 40 points of Guinness. I mean, it had been such a frightening day. <laughs> but what I was going to say in terms of Paul's trust, when I was walking in the Martin, uh, Martin McGuinness, um, Martin became kind of not a friend of mine, but he was someone who I, I, I had a lot of time for, you know, Martin towards the end. But, but at that time, 2001, that day when we were going into the film, Martin shouted across at Ivan and me. You know, the worst thing about this film before he'd seen it was directed by an Englishman. And after the film, just just after the film, Martin came up and said, now, bear in mind, he was quick to get a photograph with me at that time. It, did, it was, was quite good for SDLP, I mean, the, uh, for, for Sinn Féin. Um, but after the film, he said, you know the best thing about that film? It was directed by an Englishman. You know? <laughs> so Paul Greengrass managed to, he got me to trust him so much that, as I said to you, I felt for the first time in my life, and this is not meant dismissively to anything I did before, any directors I did before, it's talking about me. I felt that I understood that I had chosen acting for a reason, the process that you're talking about, that actually it is about what shoes you're wearing, it is about are you having me super, it is about hearing everything, it is about reading everything, it is about being able to kind of speak. It's like it's like speaking a different language. It's like you know when you become fluent in language. I I I, I you know I speak French pretty well. Not, not brilliantly, but there was a period when I was 17 and I was working in France where it got to the stage where I was actually thinking in French. Um, and that, I, I think the process, I mean, I remember, I would say you in so many things. I mean, I thought you had that at a very, very, very early age and that, that, that suddenly one summer or the last summer mm-hmm. thing you did with Jimmy Hazel thing. But you know that thing when you actually find yourself, not by fluke, actually by kind of work and understanding and trust and all that. It's hard work. I mean, the, the, this is, you know, there's a lot of guff talked about acting. But the yeah, one, yeah, and I'm, I'm of, very open. Yes, but I think one of the things that if you're, you know, for people who are thinking coming into the profession or whatever, is it's hard work. It's a different type of hard work. True, you know? right. But there's a sense of if, that what you what we do in those roles particularly, I think, is you work really hard in order to forget what you're doing when you walk on, on set. So you're you're working. I will work really hard like you do in my hotel room or in my house or whatever, so that when I walk onto the set, I am free of what you're ready. stuff. Yeah. You're ready. It's like any sportsman or whatever. Yeah. And that's, that's what you get in that Well, well that's what I learned from that film. But it was a, it's the trust thing. And to go back to that thing, you know, Mark Redhead I worked with a lot, and I spoke to Paul. I mean, I must show you something at the end that Paul sent me. Not that long ago, he kind of made a, a book for me. But um, why why that that night was so? It's, it's almost like Paul Greengrass and Mark Redhead sort of saved my life in a way, mm-hmm. in a funny sort of way. To tell you the truth, and Don Mullen and Derry and my father and and that whole thing. But why they why they kept going on at me that night was because they were just saying, "You've slipped. You've gone. You're making it." sort of making it about yourself mm-hmm. and it was I, I think maybe there was a bit of me thinking 
do I want my background? Do I want the people of my background to see me playing a role where I'm kind of talking to the IRA and all that? You know, there was a lot maybe going on there. But I just thank uh, them both for their um, their understanding that it was important to get me through that. But it is them. trust. It's trust, yeah. isn't it? And actually, I think Everything. all the work we do, when it's good, it's about a collaborative effort. It just is. And I think as an actor, what I do, like sometimes I've found it hard when I've worked with uh, an actor-director, when I'm on set with the director and he's acting as well. In my case, it was... All right. Because... I slightly need that third eye on me. I, what I like is my director to be somewhere else keeping an eye. Oh, <laughs> God, absolutely. Out. It's the you most know. important relationship to me. Yes. I mean, listen, you, you, you directed me in Passerby. I don't know if many people that will be watching this know that. And I was wary of that. I'm not going to I mean, I have to say I won an award for it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and that was a brilliant show, but I was really, I, I wasn't wary of it. Actually, I really was looking forward to it. But you understood that actors like me need a director it's the most important I mean you know I've worked with Danny Boyle and mm-hmm. Woody Allen and Nick uh, Murphy and all these various people Pete Travis blah 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 uh, Greengrass and, and that's a very important it's the most important relationship to me mm-hmm. but with Paul it was about more than that I don't know if you know this but I mean what first interest Paul and Bloody Sunday was uh, he made a documentary about the H blocks if, if everyone recalls that and I know you and Paul are very close friends but you know Paul was the first documentary filmmaker for World in Action allowed into the H-Blocks. He walked in, one of the first hunger strikers was a guy called Raymond McCartney. Raymond McCartney, who had shot two different businessmen, I think they were businessmen, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong, um, but he'd shot them uh, and murdered them. He was then one of the, he went to prison, he was one of the first hunger strikers, and Paul said to him, how come you and me, two people, similar age, politicised, listen to the same music, maybe separated by a stretch of water, support of football, all that. I chose a path of kind of like, uh, you know, film, documentary filmmaking, but very political, and you did that. And Raymond McCartney said, well, for me, it all started on Bloody Sunday. But that takes us to that final scene, doesn't it, where what Ivan yeah. says, what's happened here today? Yeah. And yeah, yeah. what Paul finishes the film with as uh, it's a recruitment. Yeah. You know, well, you know, it was, as I think, as I... I mean, that day was... Because um, we, so we, we had done the hospital scene, and that was... I kind of, the hospital scene it was just a roving camera of Ivan seeing the bodies, uh, all the madness and the mayhem of the relatives. At the risk of sounding arrogant, by that stage of the film, I knew what Ivan was doing there. Mm-hmm. And so people were coming up to me, and these were, these were you know, these were kids like their, their uncle or their auntie or their great aunt or whatever mm-hmm. were the real victims. People were wailing. And I know, I just know that what Ivan, I didn't even talk to Ivan about it, I just knew that he'd be going around comforting people. I knew that. I knew that. I knew what to do. Because again, because of the process. The the, the press conference at the end, um, I did it a couple, we did it a couple of times. And for those that, 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 that haven't seen it or are yet to see it, we used a lot of Ivan's words, which were, uh, I just want to say this to the British government, um, uh, this is our, I'm rich for massacre, this is our, there's something else he talks Sharpsville. about. Sharpsville. Sharpsville. Uh, and I just want to say this to the British government, what you've done tonight is uh, young men, boys all over the country will be joining up and you will reap a whirlwind. And I did it a couple of times and, and it was, you know, because I knew, I sort of, it's that thing I'm trying to say to you, but all of a sudden it was like day in, day by day, I was sort of realizing, oh God, why have I been sort of all my 
for the last 10 years thinking that acting's not worth anything. I'm not saying worth anything. I'm saying it worth anything to me. And why have I sort of like misunderstood or, or, or not questioned why what I love about my own background, my culture? Why have I not tried to explore it? That was coming. That was just, it was just like coming in waves to me. And loving it, you know, and talking to my father, like I would talk to my father almost every night after filming and just try and say what we were doing, and, you know, and, 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 but also, you know, not, not taking sides. I was just, there was an unfolding. I, I felt, I, I felt I was like being born as an actor. I'm sorry, that sounds yeah, yeah, so yeah. wanky. That really does sound wanky. I'm not saying that I was being good in it. It's just, I just meant for me, I was thinking that, God, maybe I'm, I understand, or maybe this is actually, this is a decent home for me. Anyway, blah, blah. But um, so I did that scene a couple of times. And it was when um, uh, Eamon McCann, or, or no, no, someone, whoever was playing the card that read out the names. And also it was when I, it was, it was a line about saying, I just want to say this to the British government, you will reap a whirlwind. Because that, in that moment, so many people that watched that film, not just in Northern Ireland, not just in Derry, not in Northern Ireland, but I think all over, it's a beautiful moment that Paul really got as a filmmaker, which is like, that's what we've been living with for 30 years mm-hmm. at that exactly. stage. Yeah. They reaped a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we did it. And then uh, and then, and then, my wife sort of texts me out and kind of like, you see Ivan walk away from the spotlight, disappear. We did it a couple of times and I was done. I mean, I, I found it... Um, and again, I, honestly, I'm wary of, of sounding an actor here, but I've just felt done. And, and I hope Paul doesn't mind why I don't care if he minds. But he grabbed me and he took me into the corner and he said, well, no, we're doing that again. And it's the only time I've seen, it's when I saw, it's when I saw trust mm-hmm. at its greatest. Because he grabbed me and he, and he started whispering into my ear. He said, you are the only person that can play this character. You've got a responsibility here today, not just to yourself, not to your family, but to everyone in Northern Ireland, to everyone in Derry, to everyone that watches film, to the peace process, blah, blah, blah. And I was saying, Paul, I can't, I just can't. He said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Do it. And, you know, yeah, and you if he hadn't have done that, I don't, uh, I mean, the film would have been good and all that. But No, like, but he's, he, the thing is about it is you've, you've got to trust that That's voice. the trust that you trust and he trusts you and that you get to a point you think, he hasn't got this. What he wants, I don't know what he wants. Yeah. All I know is he's not seeing it yet. So yeah. let's get back in the ring. Yeah. And, that, yeah. and and that is to, you know, that's all I want as an actor, really. I mean, you know. Absolutely, it was the best all, thing. And yeah. you know what was great about it was because he also knew that I wasn't spent enough. Yeah. I don't mean just as an actor, but as Ivan. Because yeah. he was actually doing, a, he was saying, do you think Ivan wasn't more fucking, excuse my language, wasn't more spent than that? Do you not think Ivan, when he left, that thought, mm-hmm. you know, is this is the end? And so what's incredible, I mean, as I articulate for the first time, what's incredible about what, what, what Paul, and, and I have to say Mark Redhead as well, and, and, and uh, Jim Sheridan and, and uh, Penny, and all of them that were involved in this piece, you know, what was the end for so many people, in a way? You know, mm-hmm. it really... Um, it was an incredible beginning for me. Sensational. How long was the shoot? How long was the shoot? Nine weeks, maybe. So it's nine weeks, and you're telling twenty-four hours effectively, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. how do you just, as an actor, do you, I know you try to do as much chronologically, but that's impossible. Yeah. 
How do you manage yourself on an hourly basis when you're telling the story of a day? Are you doing an emotional? Where am I for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like if you look at something like the missing. I mean, I, I, a lot of the time, at times in, in my life, you know, I've just sort of learned the lines and said them, and hopefully, you know, I don't mean that. I don't mean as I'm sort of phoning it in. I just mean a lot of the time, it's just as easy to kind of like. I mean, I learned my line with this. It was different because so much was kind of. Improvisation. I mean, and yeah. that's so much. It was kind of directed improv- improvisation. You know, where he was just brilliant. Paul was just. It was that whole thing as I was telling you about the process was that I felt free. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, my God, isn't that fantastic to have a, a director? You're free, like that? but you've got to keep an eye on yourself, haven't you? What I'm yes. trying to what I'm trying to get at is when you're doing a job like this. Yeah. There's a lot going off. There's lots of supporting artists. There's a director who's, you know, got this energy himself. You've got cameramen all over the place. Inside, I'm in a place. Okay. Where are you in the middle of all I'm, that? I'm, okay, great. Well, I'll tell you, that's a good question. I've never been asked that, particularly in relation to this. And again, it'll sound arrogant, but I have a, quite a good duality. And on that day, I was able to be very helpful in terms of like at William Street, when there's a crowd all crushing, when there's hundreds of people there, I was able to occasionally step out of Ivan and go, right, folks, and, and be Jimmy. Jimmy, the kind of guy who's done very well mm-hmm. off the road, and go, right, come on. We need to, need to uh, concentrate here. Oh, this is what Paul needs. Blah, blah, blah. But most of the time, but then I could step back into actually. Yeah. Paul, I got, Paul had got me, and Mark Red had got, I say him a lot, the producer. I was able to, the only way I could do it was I was in a, for that chronology, for to being in the moment, I was able to completely separate myself to kind of almost have um, silence. I was able to kind of surround myself in silence just That's before. That's a great skill. Yeah. No, it's always handy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I was able to, and then slowly but surely you hear, right, we're going for another one. Mm-hmm. And then you just begin to step out. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I've ever thought of that. And I did that. I've done that before, actually. Because, you know, not to blow smoke up your ass, but I've worked with you as a director myself. There is something about being, you know, you as a leading actor and great leading actors, that what they they do is that sense of what it means to be a leading actor is your, your energy, you're setting the tone. Yeah, you you know, when you arrive on the set, people are looking to you about what, how, how are we going to work today? What are we doing today? Yeah, and and you're setting that professionalism, energy, whatever it is. You know, I love that though. I mean, mean, there's there's a lot of things attached to that. The thing, the thing I think I said at the beginning of this chat was, you know, mum always, my mother used to say, the sun rises, James, and so much too. So I'm aware of the privilege and all that, And, and and. but actually, I do. I've always liked that leading man thing. I, I don't mean being a leading man, but I like the. No, I the love privilege. the. Res- it's, it's the responsibility. Uh, it's I, yeah, yeah. I don't get I, out of bed. I don't get out of bed to sit in a dressing room for four hours or five. No, hours. yeah. You know, I, I, I want to go to work. Exactly, and I've done that a few times, and it yeah, nearly killed me. To tell you yeah. the truth, yeah. you know. Um, so no, I, I really did enjoy that, but also, it felt as I say to, and, and I'm articulating a lot of this stuff for the first time. So it's been really good for me actually to. Um, but it was the sense that I think when someone recognises you something in you, that Paul recognised something in Ivan, that he would put Ivan Cooper, a Protestant, at the centre of this nationalist protest, yeah. something that threw the our islands into this terrible conflict. And I think he saw something in me that, that, that other people wouldn't necessarily have considered. 
you know, before that, I'd done waking there, cool feet, you know, the old thing. But I don't, Great work. I, 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 yeah, but I wasn't like. No, but it's I wasn't different. considered that sort of actor. I don't think, no, and no. I think Paul. I just love his mind. The, 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 and he managed, in terms of a process, he saw in me that I wanted to start unlocking things, not just in me, but in what acting can do. Because, you know, if, if, if my God, I mean, we're similar ages. It took, took me an awful long time. I mean, I think my father recognised a long time before I did that actually it was the right job for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I, think, I think Paul... I mean, actually, and, and someone who's been really good with me is Liam Neeson, actually. Liam was very kind of good at kind of... Maybe I'm someone that needed... Maybe I had insecurities or something, I don't know. But um, that thing about being able to unlock something where you actually go, right, this is the this is the privilege, you're in a good position here, and use it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really open. And then that's what I like about the responsibility. I mean, you, I, I know you have but that. I remember, I remember, you know, Ray Winston said, well, you know when he did Nil by Mouth and Gary got him in, he yeah. said, he said, I'd never taken it seriously up until that point. Well, that was me. And, anyway. and, the, but, you know, not to decry the non, you know, you take an aspect no. of your work seriously, but then Absolutely. It, it's shifting. But does that make it difficult then going beyond that you choose work after that? Because not all work can be like that. No, exactly. I mean, no, in a way, and, and, and in, a, in a funny way, I would say, I bet that, I bet that what Ray meant by that was that I didn't think I took it seriously before. But actually, you know, I took things very seriously. Like, you know, when I, when I went off for Cold Feet, Christine Langan, who you know well, yeah. when I went into that interview, I'm pretty certain I said to them, him and Andy, uh, uh, her and, uh, God, imagine calling Christine him, her and Andy Harris, um, I remember saying to them, this isn't written for a Northern Irish guy. I'm the only person that can play this and it has to be Northern Irish. Now, in my life, I would never have thought I'd say that. But yeah, I remember at the time thinking, so it was like the thing about Bloody Sunday and I think there are different roles. There are things like, you know, occupation I did with Nick Murphy, five minutes of heaven, passerby with you. I mean, there are certain, just different things where you kind of have to go into that. Right. You know, and then that quiet thing. But yeah, I know what you mean. I mean... But you can have the whole, what I love about it, and I do think this is true of a lot of actors, that that... The, the power is in your choice. Yeah. So, you know, and, and directors do yeah. it as well. Paul has done it as well. I think the fact that you go, this is, I'm challenging this aspect of myself in Absolutely. this role. I'm challenging this aspect of myself in this role. Yeah. Listen, mate, it's been great talking to you. And it's, it's a fantastic piece of work. It's, you know, revisiting again, just knocked my socks off. It's, oh, thank you. Know, you. Who Am I This Time is a Just Voices and Doolally production. Produced by Simon Lennigan. Music by Greg Hatlock. Edited and mixed by Russ Keffert at Audio Egg. And presented by me, David Morrissey. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.